1: In Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade show. So glad you're here this hour, we're joined by Rich Lowry. Uh, we'll also be taking your calls because this is a, a big day. And with so much going on in Ukraine, with so much happening uh, on our border, with so much going wrong with crime in our cities. It's good to know our Secretary of State will be hosting a reception about the launch of a music diplomacy initiative at the Department of State. So again, it's good to know that people are in charge. The President of the United States had a fundraiser after spending 15 minutes uh, with Michigan strikers uh, who are there uh, to get a 40% raise on as auto workers as well as a 32-hour work week. It's very interesting take from the White House these days. So many problems and so little of attention to them. Let's bring it to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. To ask my men and women to sit there and watch them succumb to the environment, to ask them to watch them get swept away by the river, to ask them to watch women and children drown is not something I or anybody else would ever do.
2: That is Jason Owens, the CBP chief trying to get a hold of what's happening at the border. We've never seen it so bad. Overrun. That's what the border agents are dealing with right now. And they're overrunning the cities, major cities and small cities. They're saddled with these problems of illegal aliens here because we have the worst border policy in American history. Who can fix it? Will Joe even try?
4: Number two. As of last night, at least 24 Senate Democrats have called on Menendez to step down, including his longtime friend, fellow New Jersey Senator Cory Booker.
2: That is, hey, uh, that is all about Senator Menendez and his indictments. Hey, Dems, if Menendez must go, why so silent on Joe? As Comer's investigation shows Chinese money was wired in his house, uh, in Delaware, we discuss uh, why right to his house in Delaware, not Hunter's house, but Joe's house. We discuss the mounting pressure on all sides. Plus, we discuss how far the administration goes to make sure Do- Joe doesn't trip and fall along the way.
5: Number one.
6: Thirty five percent of voters switched their mind during a primary uh, debate. So something could happen. And certainly we saw that Nikki Haley had a breakout performance the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, as did Vivek; uh, He also did as well.
2: He had broke out, but he also turned a lot of people off. Debate number two is tonight, and Trump suffers another legal loss. But will it result in a political gain? We will discuss it all. Trump will be there tonight. He's going to give a speech in Michigan. I I think it would be good for him to show up. I understand the theory not showing up. Some say he will show up when the debate gets smaller, and we'll see who is left. And maybe I know the threshold and criteria for debate number four is a lot tougher. So I know that's going to be the seven is going to be pared down. Uh, Doug Bergram, for example, he has never had 4% in national polls. He needs it. He needs 4% in one statewide poll, in two statewide polls. He's never had that. New Hampshire, Nevada, or South Carolina. And if the four states that lead off the Republican presidential nominating calendar are the ones everyone's going to be looking at. So right now there's seven, and I think it's going to be a lot harder to hit. And we'll see what that means if maybe Trump jumps in. Uh, but yesterday, Trump got a blow. It was a big blow, and it was a civil blow. Well, Letitia James decides to go after the Trump organization, finds out in her view and this judge's view that Trump earned uh, overvalued his properties at $3.3 billion instead of $2.3 billion or something to that nature. Now, there's no banking complaints. There's no real estate complaints. There's no construction worker that says, I never got my tip. It is all Letitia James saying, I'm going to go into this Republican and find out if there's anything I can get him on. And they intimidate his accounting firm to quit last year. And then they go in front of a judge and the judge says, guilty, pay, I believe, two hundred and fifty million dollars and give up your business licenses. Really take the tower, go into receivership. That's how bad it is. But to me, what I just explained to you is obvious that he's being targeted I I'm not going to get into what's overvalued. I never bought or built a building. I don't aspire to own a golf course. I don't bid on things that are $80 million or $3 billion. That's not up to me. But you know who is doing that every day? Banks. And it's up to them to see if Donald Trump's a good, bad, or Jamie Dimon is a, is a good, bad. And it's up to them to do their research. And it's not as if they're complaining and saying, the guy never paid me. They all paid him. This is a non crime. They're looking to do punitive damages to a candidate because they don't like his views. And to me, this is going to help Donald Trump. When we come to the debate tomorrow, tonight, what am I saying? I think that Trump's going to come up a lot. But most of all, I think Joe Biden will come up. And in terms of individual candidates, Nikki Haley's got to build on the momentum she had. And I think she will. Uh, I don't think she's any problem with economics. I think. Probably the best on economics is Ron DeSantis on the stage. I don't know if the budget best is Mike Pence, just the nature of what he's been doing his entire life and the myriad of jobs from governor to congressman, radio guy, as well as uh, vice president of the United States. But tonight I also look for uh, for Nikki Haley to be targeted. Why? Because head to head, she's the one who's doing the best against Joe Biden and she's the one who the Trump campaign says really emerged from the last debate. But they have not thoroughly attacked her. And, you know, Governor Hanley says, oh, he's my friend, but he's the most unpopular politician in the country. That to me sounds like an attack. But he has not picked up on that yet as Donald Trump. Here's Lee Carter. And she talks about how there's a great chance that voters' minds could be made up tonight. Cut three. 35%
6: of voters switched their mind during a primary uh, debate. So something could happen. And certainly we saw that Nikki Haley had a breakout performance the last time. Mm -hmm. Um, As did Vivek, uh, he also did as well. The others, Ron DeSantis has to have a knockout night. If he doesn't, he's going to go by the wayside, similar to what happened with Jeb Bush uh, back in Mm -hmm. 2015 and 2016. So something big has to happen. I'm not sure that any of the candidates are really up for it. We haven't seen that kind of energy come out of them yet. But it certainly could.
2: I was talking to a very powerful Republican an hour ago, and they said, "You know, this is why I didn't get in the race." And they were possibly a presidential candidate, maybe in the future. He said, "Because I didn't think that Trump could be beaten." The only thing that uh, the only thing that he does not know is that what the reaction will be from the American public if he's convicted, and that is why they're going to people like Ron DeSantis. As long as they're formidable, second or third. Are going to hang around. Governor Haley not going anywhere. The vice president not going anywhere as long as they can get on that stage, and I think they will. You know, Governor Christie gets a lot of Democratic support. I mean, nobody doubts his competence, but his Republican bona fides, how the popularity with his own party, is in question. But he does a lot of things that reminiscent of somebody in a purple state that's got to handle Democrats as well as Republicans. So there's a lot going on. Yesterday, Ron DeSantis talked to Laura Ingram. And he talked about it on the debate stage what's at stake. And he'd love to see Trump out there cut too.
7: He's running in 2024 on a lot of the same promises he ran on in 2016 and didn't deliver on. He said he was going to drain the swamp. They didn't drain the swamp at all. He still defends hiring Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Ray. He didn't fire Fauci. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. That didn't happen. They started the wall, but we've got a lot more to be able to do to finish the wall. He said he was going to eliminate the national debt. Uh, they added almost $8 trillion to the debt in four years. And then remember, he promised to appoint a special counsel for Hillary Clinton, then after the election, two weeks later, he's like, "Oh no, forget about it." That's what you say before the election. It's not what you say after. So now he's saying he's going to do one for Biden, but he had promised to do that for uh, in, in 2016.
2: I would say that I have no interest. When Joe Biden loses, I have no interest in finding out. Um, I'm done with him. I would like to find out, but I'm no interest in throwing him in jail. With Hillary Clinton, I don't think for a minute that President Trump thought that Hillary Clinton was doing what she was doing behind the Russia investigation. Indications were she had a role. Indications were she might have known, but nobody knew she was actually financing the dossier and fueled a lot of the investigation that plagued his administration for two and a half years. But most of that arguments are a Democratic argument on Trump, and I don't think it's going to fly. What you got to do is show that you're better. Show that you're better. Don't say, well, he didn't get the wall done. We remember what happened with the wall. There was imminent domain problems. There was a problem with getting financing from his own house, where Ron DeSantis was a member of. Then he finally had to repurpose defense funds to do it. A lot of delays because Democrats kept suing. So to blame Trump on that, I don't know. That's not the way our system works. Well, I wanted to do tax reform. Well, he couldn't get the, the votes, or he didn't have the Senate, didn't have the House. You could sit there and go, well, he didn't get it done. Well, then there's a reality of what you did get done. I mean, Joe Biden got credit for doing infrastructure. that That came from the Senate. And there was about 12 senators that went along with it, bipartisan. He almost blew it by saying that he's going to get this and the, and the Inflation Reduction Act in the same vote. He wouldn't vote for one without the other. So he got credit for that. He got credit for gun reform. But that was really done on the Senate side. He signed it into law and he immediately started ridiculing it, saying we haven't done enough as a country. It makes Republicans not want to work with you again. But I don't think that's a strong argument to, for Republicans to make personally. Um, what I also find too is that Trump needs a practice. I mean, he made a few mistakes the other day when he got the Bushes confused. Can it happen, you know. With George W. Bush, Iraq, uh, Jeb Bush, education, uh, highly rated going into the last election, and he called him uh, what he ever he called him low energy Jeb, but he got him kind of confused with the Bush administration in Iraq. Okay, I don't think that's seventy-seven years old. No, what that is? It's like a practice. So that's one thing I would do. If you're going to have 10, 12 debates, if I'm Trump, I'm in there just because you need the reps. But right now it looks pretty strong. Where is he vulnerable? If you want to go up to Trump and you want to make do some damage on him in Iowa, bring up his comments that he made about abortion last week or two weeks ago on ABC, where he said, hey, you know, I'm going to work something out. That's not what pro-lifers want to hear. That's not the attitude of President Trump, who over, who put to or three Supreme Court justices in place that overturned Roe v. Wade personally. But in terms of going after Trump on whales and windmills, that's how clueless other people are. Do you know there's, and Mike and Schellenberg will be on the Wednesday show, do you know there is a link between how many whales have washed up in New York and New Jersey and the amount of windmills built, and that it's screwing up their sonar and communications, and many of them are beaching themselves? So you're ripping Trump for saying windmills and whales you do your do your own research that's you sitting there in a tunnel listen to these guys go off on trump cut 7
7: there's also a part in his speech where he said that windmills were killing whales.
4: Donald Trump yesterday in South Carolina continuing his weird war against windmills.
7: The whales and the windmills, that was even for him a real tour de force. You're right. I mean, the, the windmills and whales things are, are nuts. The whale thing was bizarre. He said the, the windmills are driving whales crazy, so they're washing themselves up on the shore. He's projecting know, again. Right. He's yeah.
8: projecting again. But he's going out and projecting himself on Whales. Well, so, yes, Donald, it's the whales who are crazy right now.
2: I mean, do you, did they not know they're in the New York, New Jersey area? How many whales have washed up? Do you not even read a story besides look at the pictures? And find out that there's a sense that when they are making drilling into the ocean floor with these windmills, it is creating a wave that is throwing off the whale sonar. That's the only thing that they can figure out to explain this. And no one seems to care. All these environmentalists that were wiping out these whales have. Do you guys notice they closed a few beaches because there's a uh, animal there the size of most of, of a of a of a skyscraper on the beach. So. There's a tax on Trump that you think that he's vulnerable for. OK, he's he messed up the bushes. Got it. But when the whales and windmills before you have, have make a total jerk of yourself, do some research. And if it turns out that is not the reason, it's not because it's a lack, not a lack of experts who think it is the reason. So it's certainly an issue that people should be studying before they build windmills. I'd argue that we don't need one when we come back. Uh, I'll take your calls. I see you up there already. And you go to com. You can write in. And then uh, we'll have Rich Lowry. We'll break down the debate tonight. Also, take a look at the polls. And Joe Biden, get this. And we'd want all our grandparents to do this. But he's at physical therapy now to walk, changing his shoes, teaching him to walk and lift his feet. That's how nervous his team is and how angry they are today that this story leaked out to Axios. Busy day. So glad you're here.
1: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory...
1: If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
7: This is our time for choosing. We're not going to get a mulligan on the 2024 election. We've had three straight election cycles in a row where Democrats have a playbook to beat Republicans. And if we repeat that same playbook in 24, we're going to lose. Uh, We were supposed to have a big red wave in 2022. I thought your monologue was excellent outlining the problems. But all those problems were there in November of 2022. Republicans should have capitalized on that by winning a huge red wave. And that did not happen. Voters chose Democrats over some of our candidates, uh, except in Florida. In Florida, we delivered a historic uh, re-election victory, and that's because we delivered on our promises. So as you look forward, the time for talking is over.
2: Governor DeSantis is on his game last night with Laura Ingram, pointed out that he's trailing by 40 points. It is in second place, and he's trailing in New Hampshire. He thinks he's going to do better in Iowa. He's certainly competent. They would do well to go after It would be great for DeSantis for them to go after him. And listen, this is the divide on the stage. Republicans in the House are no longer for this Iraq war, even though Michael Waltz is hedging because they just hate the way. And I really resent the way this administration slow walking these weapons. People are dying. Russia gets some gains. Then we eventually give them everything they need uh, from F-16s to the Patriots on down. They'll divide on that because Pence and Haley are sure uh, we got to support him. We got to change tactics. I'll take control of it. And I think DeSantis and Ra- Vivek Ramaswamy are out uh, Governor Christie was just there, so I assume he is in. Governor Bergham, I'm not sure, but he also has to find another gear tonight because I can't see him getting 4% in any of these polls. All right, so a lot of your writing, here's the first one. I love this idea. Bob writes this, and you know how crazy I get about the border. You too. It says, Brian, I believe the best way to show the country what's happening at the border is billboards. The new high-tech boards can show footage of the mainstream media, will not Billboards are everywhere and millions would see them, thought you would be the best conduit uh, for the Republicans. No, I'm the best conduit for people that care about our our safety and security. I would love that, almost as if it's the debt clock and it's still running. So you just say Biden's border and you show our drone footage and maybe we have a dedicated one or they pay for their own dedicated one to show it. And the first, as Jay Johnson was quoted in Michael Goodwin's column today, I don't watch MSNBC that much, but he was on MSNBC, and he basically said to Joe Biden, if you want to see Donald Trump in the White House again, keep uh, allowing 12,000 migrants a day to go through the border. That will put Donald Trump back in the White House. It is true. He's not even trying to fix it. Nobody thinks, uh, nobody thinks that Donald Trump's to blame for the problems there. Uh, who else is writing? Um, this is one person who writes me, Mike writes me this. And he said, would it be possible when you talk about polls on TV or radio to put sample size beneath it? So, so many times we've got to be fair and find out who they're sampling before you get to the conclusion. And I'll give you an example. I was talking to somebody about the New Hampshire poll that CNN put out. And New Hampshire said that Trump is trailing by 12 points to Biden. And I couldn't believe it. So I called an official, text messaged an official in New Hampshire, the highest one. And I said, is this real? And he said, yeah, look at the sample size. I said, it's 2,000. He said, we're a state of about a million. That is bigger than almost every poll. I, I don't do pollings for a living. You likely don't do it either. But I was really surprised by that. So it just goes to show you that is a great point brought up by our listeners and viewers, because you can watch it on Fox Nation, that, you know, if you just say someone's leading, tell us who you talk to, likely voters, registered voters. And would you go across the nation? Where'd you sample more of? How many Democrats? How many Republicans? Mostly Democrats oversample. Listen to Brian Kilmeade.
1: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: I love Venn diagrams. <laughs> <laughs> I do it.
4: Do you know those three circles sometimes you can do <laughs> I think Venn diagrams are so helpful when you're trying to discern what's going on, especially when there's conflict. So I asked my team, I said, let's drop a Venn diagram. From which states are we seeing attacks on reproductive health care, attacks on voting rights, and attacks on LGBTQ rights? You would not be surprised to see an incredible overlap. See what's happening. See what's happening. But this is also then back to my point about the opportunity for coalition building.
2: Yeah, that's uh, Kamala Harris. A joke. Uh, the, but And she's being counted on more and more, but she's not able to do it. Do you know that they gave her this new office on gun violence? They put her in charge of it while the borders falling apart. They never released her from her responsibilities. Uh, the origins of the border problem, because she doesn't want to do the border. She wants to do the origins, and she asked Visa to invest in Guatemala, and that was enough. This has not been lost on Rich Lowry from the uh, editor of Nash Review. Uh, Rich, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? Good. I mean, you point out Kamala Harris, one of the worst picks ever, and it's really hurting Joe now more than ever.
9: Yeah, it really – it's hurting the the Democrats most because I think there would be more forthright calls to dump Biden if everyone everyone wasn't staring down the barrel of Kamala Harris as his potential successor because she's she's even weaker than than Biden. There was a poll – NBC poll, I think – that had – Favorable unfavorable ratings for both Biden and Trump. You know, re- really bad as as you'd expect. But Kamala had a positive rating that was lower than both of them, and a negative rating that was higher than Biden's. So so that's a natural alternative. That uh, but you know he picked her with uh, uh, with with knowing what he was doing. You know he limited the pool to about three plausible candidates for identity politics reasons, and now they probably can't get rid of her for identity politics reasons. And this is just going to play a huge role in 24.
2: But don't you think Gavin Newsom sent a shot, and evidently uh, the Kamala Harris camp is not happy that he's doing this DeSantis debate. Don't you think that's showing disrespect to her?
9: I don't know whether there's disrespect for her per se. I think it's it's more like, hey, you know, I'm totally with you, Joe. You know, you're running again. That's great. I'm fully on board. And if something happens, here I am. You know, it's it's uh, uh, he's made himself – um, you know, major natural national player. This this is smart. You know, smart of him to go on, on Fox. You know, there there are a lot of national Democrats who wouldn't dare do it. So it sh- shows a certain self confidence, and uh, a willingness to to take. Um, Challenging questions, and you know, this debate would be interesting. They both kind of need it. You know, Gavin, is all sort of upside. You know, raises his profile. DeSantis needs anything now to to get some more attention and try to uh, catch at least a, a little bit of fire. Just, just you know, just, just smoldering would be good.
2: So I, I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal poll, and they said. Are you a persuadable? Thirty-nine percent consider uh, the viewers tonight. Thirty-nine percent consider themselves moderate. Eleven percent think the country is going in the right, in the right direction. Only eleven percent. So you got it. The persuadables are usually moderates, undecideds by by nature and by definition. I thought uh, Governor Haley has slowly ticked up in competence and recognition since this debate, and I think that DeSantis by st- got a, got a pass on the first one because no one was attacking him.
9: Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if it'll be the same thing tonight. Uh, I I didn't understand. I expected him to get attacked last time. He didn't. I kind of uh, expected him to. This time I'm not so sure, you know, because he's he's dropped so much. He doesn't feel like the – he's not necessarily the biggest figure on that stage. So obviously – uh, macro terms, the first debate didn't have much effect, right? Tr- Trump gained, uh, even though he skipped the debate, mostly, I think, because of the the amazing, uh, historic, iconic mugshot. But um, the, the one thing that kind of makes you think, all right, may, maybe this could be a race, is there was a CBS poll, came out yesterday, of uh, New Hampshire and Iowa. Trump's at 50 or 51, both places, so that's a commanding lead. But But also in both places, you have, I think in Iowa, it's 20% say they're only considering Trump And New Hampshire, maybe it's 23. Maybe I had that wrong. Maybe it's reversed. But it's right there around 20%. Um, And then everyone else is considering other people. Um, Not everyone else. There's like 30% in each place that says they would never consider Trump. But, you know, that's like 48, 43, in the middle somewhere, still perhaps persuadable. So maybe those people are never persuaded to come off Trump, but at least there's a possibility of it.
2: Right. Uh, So it's it's very curious to see what's going to happen now because I think Joe Biden's going to come up a lot. And I think people have to look at that poll with Trump beating Biden by 9, 10 points in the Washington Post ABC poll head to head in the last few. Nikki Haley beating him by six mm-hmm. for people who think that, the, that Joe Biden will be a tough out. I think they're wrong. I think he could be an easy out, but it's not going to be easy to get him out. So do you have you changed your opinion of whether Donald Trump can win a general judging by some of these polls?
9: No, because I, I've been saying for for a while it's it could be a coin flip. You know, some days I say it's a coin flip, other days I'm like, oh, maybe it's 60-40 uh, Biden. I'd probably still rather be. Biden in a general election matchup against Trump because, I mean, things could happen to Biden, obviously. You know, there could be a recession. He could have a, a terrible fall at any moment, unfortunately. But things are things are definitely going to happen to Trump. You're going to have trials. You don't know how those are going to uh, bounce or what uh, or how they're going to play or what's actually going to happen. So I, I'd rather be Biden, but not by not by much. I mean, he's incredibly weak. And this is – you know, there's a lot of debate about that Washington Post poll that had Trump ahead by 10. I don't think it's ahead by 10, but you only get an outlier like that. If, if you're tied or a little bit ahead you know that's you're not you're not getting uh you're not going to be ahead in any any poll by ten if you 're down by ten so it's it's obviously the head to head's very close and the consistent finding of every poll that everyone should agree about is that biden's incredibly weak the job approval terrible the approval on the economy terrible the numbers on honesty, which used to be one of his strengths terrible uh and Three-quarters of people consistently say he's too old. So, he, yeah, he could easily lose to Trump. I think he would, he would easily lose uh, lose pretty handily to, like, a, a Nikki Haley. I think maybe you get a scenario where they try to switch him out if it's a Nikki Haley. Um, but uh, a, a Trump-Biden race, I would just think, expect to be very close, like, the first time around. All
2: right, I want you to hear, I just share this cut with you with James Carville on, on Bill Maher's podcast. Uh, he's uh, upset with his own party, cut ten.
10: The identity left are silly. They're not evil. They're just goofy. They have to. They- and then what happened was overeducated coastal white people got a hold of the word and yeah. as they do everything else, they completely f***ed it up and I... f- everybody in the country off. Now now you're speaking my life. And if we just could get the humanities faculty at Amherst to shut the f up, we'd be a lot better off. Well, like <laughs> <laughs> well, he sounds like Richard Lowry.
9: Well, I mean, he's right about that. He's been consistent about that. He's, he's been brave even, I would say, about that. You know, in 20, when everyone was like, oh, you know, it's going to be the socialist. Carville was like, no, it can't be the socialist. And there's still a Democratic Party that is not – is more commonsensical than that. And he, and he was right. You know, African American voters are uh, more more reasonable than that, and they they went to Biden as the the safe choice, even though he didn't you know light anyone on fire. So yeah, if if, if Democrats could uh, moderate on cultural issues. And uh put up someone who uh, people think is actually capable of serving you know the next term as president, uh, I think they they crushed trump by by the same token i think if if Republicans put someone up who didn't have the baggage of Trump uh, and is younger than Trump, they'd crush Biden, but it looks looks at the moment where it 's like it's going to be a trump trump biden race and a close one
2: right uh, I just think that the thing that's breaking trump's way is almost all of his policies look better almost every day, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where yeah. we weren't two years ago. We were like, well, you know, the economy is recovering, and the unemployment is low, and Afghanistan is unforgivable, and some people have forgotten about it, not for me. But now it is. The border is broken. Yep. The uh, the inflation is up 17%. since It took off. It's gas is 388 and rising. 720, I saw, in California. And then you have somebody denying it, and then you see how he is on the stage. They've shortened his steps they're teaching him how to walk again. They don't, you know, they, they don't, yeah. um, they don't, he never knows where, how to leave a stage. We see yeah. the embarrassment of not how, doesn't even know who just hands to shake. So while Trump's policies look better, Biden physically looks worse. Mm-hmm.
9: Yeah, no, that's all, that's all very well said. I mean, we have, we have Trump nostalgia, you know, not like a, a huge wave of nostalgia sweeping the country. But there it was a poll about a, a week or two ago that asked who, who accomplished more, Donald Trump and his four years or Biden so far, and Trump was ahead, you know, of uh, Biden there, maybe by about ten points. I forget his his uh, favorable rating, approval, disapproval rating is now in positive territory, maybe just one, you know, basically even, which is a, a huge change from where he was when he left office, Trump. So, and it's all driven, you're absolutely right, by the contrast uh, with Biden, and just shows, you know, they've invested so much energy and political capital and, and legal might and everything to emphasize and hammer home January sixth. But at the end of the day, people care about their lives and what makes them better, right? And and they have not gotten better the last three years. And that, that's that's one of the many reasons Biden's in big trouble.
2: So I'm looking at the stage tonight of the seven. Rich Lowry, give me your take as a couple of scenarios, how you see it likely to fall out tonight within two hours or done.
9: Um I, I, you know it, it, it always it 's never quite what i what I expect I would say with with um, desantis he 's got to make a big impression um, you know he he was fine uh, uh, last time got a lot of applause wasn 't attacked but it really it didn 't make any difference in, in the poll so a, a big impression from DeSantis. and he needs to answer the question whether he 's capable of making a big impression you know he seemed a little t- 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 he always seems a little tight. You know, and, and nev- never can roll with the moment. Nikki Haley, you know, it made a difference for her. Not huge, but, you know, 5%, you know, going from 5 to 9 or 11 is, is uh, a, a positive change for her. People are talking about her again where she really disappeared. Um, so can she continue that momentum? And Tim Scott's got to do something. You know, he was a non-entity the first time around. If he's a non-entity this time around – um, that could really be the end, and that's where, at least in South Carolina polling, a lot of Haley's support, um, surge in support is coming from right directly out of out of Tim Scott and Vivek. You know, I think he's playing a little bit of a different game. It's it, for him, it's notoriety. So he'll he'll again be a big voice, impossible to ignore. Uh, a lot of people will uh, like it. A lot of people will find it obnoxious.
2: So I know you got to play politics, and there's your beliefs. You know, if you're on the side and you're a pundit you, or a columnist, do what you want. But if you're a candidate and you have this belief, you say to yourself, but I'm at a different place than the people I want voting for me. When it comes to Ukraine, they're going to divide that stage. Don't you agree?
9: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we're seeing in the, the polling that uh, support is slipping. It's been slipping among Republicans for a while. It's slipping among the general public. You know, we're, we're – uh, as Americans, we, we tend to be very into the righteous crusade at the beginning. You know, uh, every, everyone puts a Ukraine flag out in the front yard, all that, and then you kind of realize, you know what, th- this is not – there's not going to be a great heroic counteroffensive that's going to end this thing in, in months. It's going to drag on and on and on, and people understandably get get impatient, and that's where we are. And they're, you know, Levesque uh, is is very anti. You know, Mike Pence is very pro. DeSantis, mostly anti. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's a, a big dividing line in the field. Yeah, Probably, that, that will divide you know, There's not it. a huge amount yeah. of policy differences, but that's a big one.
2: That is a big one. And the the right thing to do is to let Ukraine win. They are fighting like warriors. We've got to get them the weapons system we need to be successful. We see them making major gains. We saw Medvedev go off and say um, – We might have to take on all of NATO, which is a ridiculous comment, but shows desperation. But that's not where the Republican Party is. I'm looking, you know, you look at how hard they're fighting to keep the 26 billion out of the budget. So you have to wonder, are you willing to alienate the party to do the right thing? Yeah,
9: I mean, it's 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 one of these 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 occasions that I think calls for for leadership. You have to realize there's a lot of resistance. The resistance is probably going to grow. But if you think that's the right thing, you need to stand up and and say it.
2: Go get him, Rich Lowry. Look forward to getting your analysis after tonight. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. All right, Rich Lowry, National Review, 1-866-408-7669. Your predictions, also the busted border. Does Joe Biden understand that if he can't fix it, he can't win? I don't think so. Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade
10: Show. I think he is the strongest candidate, and I uh, believe very strongly uh, that the American people believe that as well. When you are out this far, I remember uh, back, was it 2010 and 2012? uh, We got shellacked in 2010, and in 2012, all the polls I saw said Obama Uh, had no chance of getting reelected. The the Democrats wanted an alternative to Obama. What happened in 2012 is now history. He won very comfortably. And I think the same thing will happen here.
2: Well, that is James Clyburn, and there's nothing he said that that was wrong. Nothing. But the big difference is where I differ. Barack Obama at 50 years old was capable of campaigning in fifty states, five events a day if he had to. And he's got charisma, he's got presence. Maybe he's not great one on one, but he was great in front of crowds. You know how to do it, he got a great sense. Got it? Understood? Whether he's doing Ellen or or doing something on what their version of TikTok or between two ferns. There's nothing funny about Joe Biden. He is really aging before our eyes. Physically he's not up to it. He can't speak. He doesn't do interviews he can't do the things needed in order to turn around those polls. He's got to only rip Trump. And that's what he's doing. But that's not going to be effective solely. You can't just say, look how bad Trump is. When people will come back and say, look how much better his policies are. What I, I'm going to point to what I said a half hour ago when this Republican told me, yeah, I, I was thinking about running, but I knew that if Trump ran, this would be the case. He's got the party. But... And I do think he'll win. But I cannot predict what the public reaction will be like if he gets convicted on any of these charges. And that's why I believe that it's going to be hard to pare down this field. Chris Sununu and experts that don't like Trump say we got to quickly find out who the best competitor is against Trump and tell everybody else to drop out like they did and clear the field for Joe Biden because they didn't want Bernie Sanders. The problem is. Republicans don't really act like Democrats. They they think if they think they're the person, they'll stay in there. And you're going to tell Nikki Haley to drop out if she's got money and momentum? Don't think so. You're going to tell Tim Scott, money and momentum, first African-American uh, Republican running for president that I can know, remember? Oh, yeah, really? You want him to drop out? That's great. Mike Pence. Where's Mike Pence going? He's already governor, vice president. He's not going anywhere if he doesn't have to. They're waiting it out. So Donald Trump to lose yesterday was a devastating personal hit for the president, but it was positive political because it's so clear to anyone who cares to look that he's been targeted, been targeted to be taked out. Um, here, here's what else James Carville had to say. I want to share another cut from him before before we go. Cut ten.
10: The identity left are silly. They're not evil. They're just goofy. They have to. And then what happened was. Overeducated coastal white people got a hold of the word, and yep. as they do everything else, they completely f***ed it up I and f- everybody in the country off. Now now you're speaking my life. And, and if we just could get the humanities faculty at Amherst to shut the f*** up, we'd be a lot better off.
2: Well, James Carville also rip Republicans, too. Typical. He's a Democrat. But we'd be a lot better off if the Democrats running against Republicans were like Bill Maher and James Carville. I think the country would be in a better place. Why do these other people scare me, including Joe Biden?
1: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division, it's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you proudly from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, uh, heard around the country, around the world. Where the governor of Texas came, comes into the Manhattan Institute, he's speaking right now. He stopped by Fox and Friends this morning, and just say, "Listen, I'm proud of what I've done. I'm proud that I alerted the entire country on how bad the border is by sending them to these sanctuary cities like this one. But I only sent fifteen thousand. You got about a hundred and twenty thousand. Blame President Biden." So, and I give Governor, um, you know, I give Governor Abbott credit. He's like, oh, you guys got a problem with me? You want to talk? Want to hear my side of the story? Name the date, and he is. So that's going on right now. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. To ask my men and women to sit there and watch them succumb to the environment, to ask them to watch them get swept away by the river, to ask them to watch women and children drown is not something I or anybody else would ever do.
2: That's the Border Patrol Chief Jason Owens. Overrun. That's what our border is. That's what our agents are dealing with. That's what border cities and major cities are saddled with. Thanks to, and it's the worst in American history, this president. Don't let anyone tell you different. Number two.
4: As of last night, at least 24 Senate Democrats have called on Menendez to step down, including his longtime friend, fellow New Jersey Senator Cory Booker.
2: Hey, Dems, if Menendez must go, why so silent on Joe? As Comer's investigation shows, Chinese money was wired to his house in Delaware. Not Hunter's house, Joe's house. We discuss the mounting pressure on all sides. Plus, we discuss how far the administration goes to make sure Joe doesn't trip and fall along the way. Number one,
6: 35 percent of voters switched their mind during a primary uh, debate. So something could happen. And certainly we saw that Nikki Haley had a breakout performance the last time, Mm -hmm. um, as did Vivek. uh, He also did as well.
2: Uh, That is uh, some expertise there coming your way from Lee Carter. Debate number two is tonight and Trump suffers suffers another legal loss, but it will result in political gain. We will discuss it all uh, right now with. Mary Mary Catherine Ham. first time I have talked to her in a long time she was at CNN but back with us now uh, part of the Fox family with the uh, without kick and co-author of end of discussion uh, Mary welcome back oh pleasure
11: to be here Mr. Kilmead. good to talk to you
2: that's the way I prefer that's true since you left <laughs> everyone calls me Mr. Kilmead. so yeah,
11: no, I know that you're very highfalutin now so right. I just try to keep it keep it cool
2: <laughs> if you don't mind uh, yeah. when when are you coming back to are you in
11: New York? I am not in New York. I'm based in D.C., but I'm around. So uh, I need to plan a trip to New York. But you know what? I have a lot of children. Oh, I really do. Okay. So i got to work around that. But I can do it. <laughs> I understand.
2: But when you are, just put us on your schedule. Uh, I but, will do it. Yeah, because your expertise is fantastic and insight. Uh, so let's let's talk about tonight. Uh, I think that Governor Haley got so much momentum that we're starting to see in head-to-head polls, obviously with Joe Biden up by six, according to NBC. Uh, the biggest one yet. And I think people are giving her a second, third look. The word is money's coming in. DeSantis still number two. uh, And Vivek Ramaswamy seems to be a gift to Mike Pence as well as Governor Haley. How do you see this thing playing out tonight?
11: Well, just just like the story from last time, right? Someone needs to have a breakout moment. Nikki Haley had it last time. DeSantis had a very solid performance. And Vivek had a Polarizing performance, shall we say. They got him a lot of attention. Um, so we kind of have the same situation, but we have fewer people on stage, which means there's more room for the conversation to breathe and more room for people to have those moments. Um, the, t- the time is running a little short when you've got a front runner with such a commanding lead as Donald Trump has. Well, so look. I think Nikki Haley showed that you can really bring some sparkle to this uh, to this debate stage, and that it can matter. It especially mattered, by the way, with this is anecdotally, and I think you see it in polls too, with women voters, which is like suburban, educated mom voters, which I know a little bit about because I'm one of them. Uh, <laughs> those are the voters that you have to bring back into the fold if you want to win a national election as a Republican, and she is someone who does appeal to those voters.
2: So we know this. If 2022, nobody argues with this, abortion with Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision right. was consequential. And the fact is, when the Republicans went pro-life and they realized that most of the country wasn't, they yeah. were, they had a problem. Not that they were embarrassed by it, but they had no idea to message it. Uh, I hate say, talking like this. But it's the only way I know how we we never talk about abortion on the air for for the 20 years I was at Fox until the last two years. So when Nikki Haley turned around and said, do we all agree when the baby feels pain, it's too you're too far along. Instead of getting hung up on weeks and mandates and federal law, that Mm -hmm. line, I think, freezes people in their tracks.
11: No, I think you're right. And look, the GOP did have trouble messaging this. There are there are. People who were okay, for instance, Kemp uh, in Georgia, the the Iowa governor, and uh, DeSantis all had heartbeat bills, but they were also competent leaders in a ton of other ways who were able to message on that as part of their pitch, right? The things that were just on the ballot that were only about that, even in very red states like Kansas, you had a lot of trouble, right? I think what Nikki Haley did is she spoke to the fact that we really do – mostly agree on some middle ground here there are there are people on either end of course but there there is a place for sort of a rational agreement and she made the point that like look i'm not going to put people through a federal fight when we all know there aren't the votes for making something happen like that and i thought that was pretty astute and pretty appealing to women who don't want to have that fight federally
2: and mary catherine the other thing that's something that all politicians should keep in mind don't tell. I know what you want. Now tell me what's possible and there's persuadable. You know, with you know, you we got to abolish slavery, whatever it takes. I get it. Uh, but there are things you can do and there's some horse trading that could take place. And then after a while, you go, the numbers just aren't there. What's possible? People just right. go, OK, it's not possible and go run on how bad a person or how bad Democrats or Republicans are. I think we're all the country is fed up with that. Do you agree?
11: Yeah, I mean, this is what leadership is, is making what's possible uh, even more possible, right? And selling people on what you can do. Yes. And if you are not able to do those things and you're, if you're not able to be straight with people about what's possible, uh, then you end up selling them a bill of goods. And I, we have far too much of that in politics right now. So I love when, and I love that we have so many governors on the stage. I love that when go- when governors get up there and say, here's what I actually did. I think that's what's interesting about the contrast uh that Ron DeSantis is trying to draw, right? Like in my state, he has real receipts. We did things differently. We preserved freedom. It mattered. A bunch of people weren't hurt in the ways that they were hurt at somewhere like California. Which is why by the way this upcoming showdown uh with Gavin Newsom that's supposed to happen uh at uh in November is interesting because that's a very clear uh delineation of that fight and should get a lot of attention. <laughs>
2: In the beginning, I thought, well, governor, governor Gavin Newsom's got a real benefit. He's got no downside. Now it's Governor DeSantis. He gets to step away from the seven and from Trump and just battle as a 40-something governor on, uh, on, the, on the fast track and see where his ideas match up with the next ideas. Because one thing we know for sure, Biden and Trump will not be on the next ballot. So you're getting a look. And then also the, the, the X factor... If Elon Musk doesn't mind me borrowing his letter, and that is, how will the country respond if Trump is convicted? Will the field come alive? Will the rest of the field become contenders? I want you to hear what Governor DeSantis said, and tell me if you think, uh, Mary Catherine, if if he's right on this. Cut one.
7: This is our time for choosing. We're not going to get a mulligan on the 2024 election. We've had three straight election cycles in a row where Democrats have a playbook to beat Republicans, and if we repeat that same playbook in 24, we're going to lose. Uh, We were supposed to have a big red wave in 2022. I thought your monologue was excellent outlining the problems, but all those problems were there in November of 2022. Republicans should have capitalized on that by winning a huge red wave.
2: And they didn't. Are things changed at all from 2022?
7: Well, so here's the question, right? If you
11: look at the fundamentals of an NBC poll that shows some outrageous uh, number uh, numbers on the economy for Biden. I mean, they're just so Against bad. Against Biden, and that, yeah. And that, right, and that Republicans are the trusted party on the economy, which is the number one issue. Here's the concern, is that much like in 2022, if people are not addressing that main issue – uh, if Trump, for instance, is talking about his legal woes, which he does, he can make a case, by the way, on inflation and the economy. He has a, plenty of stuff to talk about, but he does like to talk about his own travails, right? If he's not focusing on that, I think you have trouble convincing those people who are averse to him for other reasons, 2020 and January 6th, uh, that he might be a guy who could work for them. When he was new on the scene, that convincing was easier to do. You, I do think you've got to stay over the target on the economic messaging. And the, the question is whether the Republican ticket will be doing that.
2: I just went, since you're in Washington, let me bring you to Washington. Uh, my head's spinning on all that's going on in the House and not going on. The Senate passed a bill <laughs> to continue funding till November. Uh, the House goes dead on arrival. Then the House is going to look to pass four appropriations bills. They're finally going to at least vote on it. But that's not going to do anything to stop a government shutdown. Mary Catherine, how does this play out?
11: Yeah, look, I think uh, shutdowns rarely redound to the benefit of Republicans, and I don't think you get a lot of spending cuts out of them. Uh, it looks like we're headed for at least a short shutdown. Look, I am not a person who thinks that a short shutdown is the end of the world, but voters react differently than I do. Like, I have less affection for the government than almost anyone. So I <laughs> they don't react necessarily the same way I do. So I think you have to be really careful. However, that ABC Washington Post poll – Uh, showed that Biden might actually be blamed for it. And look, I do think there's this thing that Democrats in Congress do where they go, well, y'all have to put this together. We're not doing anything. But the problem for Republicans in the House now is that the Senate did pass something, right? So if the Senate does pass something, then I think the, the, the blame can more readily land on your head. But I'm with you that following this is making my brain scrambled.
2: So lastly, the thing that got me, and that's all I think about, is Taylor Swift and Will She Ever Find Love, And people know that when I usually talk about it in the breaks, but now I can finally talk about it on the show. Mm -hmm, And then Travis mm -hmm. Kelsey, I always thought to myself, I wonder if he is interested in any pop stars. And now these two right. worlds have come together. And I kind of laugh that people are now noticing who don't like football that Travis Kelsey is now getting famous. We're in football mm-hmm. with two Super Bowl champions and him being the high profile guy, especially with a brother playing against in the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And his mom became a star with national ads. Yeah. Suddenly people are discovering Travis Kelsey. Here's what's making some waves on TikTok. This just like put
11: Travis Kelsey on the map like he was like kind of irrelevant before.
3: No, he wasn't. He was a, like he's a superstar <laughs> football player.
11: I don't even think he's that good.
3: Travis Kelsey, he's arguably the best tight end of,
2: of all time.
11: She's going to be, like, helping him get his career going and, like, put him on the main
10: Because his career didn't explode when he was winning Super Bowls. I
11: didn't know his name until Taylor Swift was with him, so he's going to have, like, a really good fan base here. Oh,
10: Kel, stop.
11: Oh, no, don't say that.
2: So is that, that, to me, is hysterical, is it?
11: I love these videos. I could watch them all day. The husbands are just aghast. <laughs> at what their wives are saying about this. Look, I actually I love both Kelsey brothers. I think they're very cool. His older brother, Jason, with the Eagles, has this lovely marriage with Kylie that I watch on Instagram all the time. I'm very into both of them. They have a great podcast. They seem like fun guys. And, like, look, this is against type for Taylor Swift, who's kind of into skinny emo dudes, and maybe this is a good change for her.
2: I think it's going to work. (laughs) And and I'm going to I'm going to stop focusing on my life. I'm going to focus on celebrity lives. And I think it's going to start today. And I and I think, uh, Mary, Catherine, when you finally come to the studio in a few months or a few weeks, we're going to be talking about how well these two get along and possibly long term planning. And we could help them with different types of investments and mutual funds that will set them up for life.
11: I love it. i got to tell you, the intersection of pop culture and uh, football is really where I shine. So I'm happy to
2: do it. <laughs> you got it. Mary Catherine Ham, uh, welcome back. Uh, congratulations Thanks. on uh, being a part of OutKick. And I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. You got it. When we come back, your turn. One eight six six 408 I'm also pulling some emails. Getting a lot of them. A lot of diverse opinions. Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
12: Honestly, I I was actually surprised that I was the first one. I mean, it's so black and white. I mean, it's so clear. The last times there's ever been a man with so much cash in their home in New Jersey was uh,
2: Tony Soprano. So obviously, if this is Fetterman and not a body double, <laughs> he has really recovered.
3: He has recovered, yes.
2: So I'm, I'm happy for him. I did not think that could happen, judging by people saying it's going to take years and you need to go be in rehab. So I'm happy for him with that. The dress code now has no excuse for that. So, But he has been sarcastic on Senator Menendez and said he was the first one to say he should resign. I think it's uh, at the this morning at 2.30 when I was looking at this, 3.30, it was uh, 18 and 18. 18, um, 18 senators and 18 congressmen had called for him to resign. Uh, I just think that... The Republicans got to be careful and the Democrats got to be careful. It's, he's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. If this thing starts heating up and Comer's uh, burning up the lines, getting money deposited into Joe's account, we're seeing if it goes into Joe's account. It went to his address. So it's getting closer. If you go tell Menendez, go jump at a lake and you're done, you finish your through, how are you going to tell Joe Biden not to do it? And Republicans got to be canceled. Careful because... President Trump has been indicted but not convicted. He said, wait for your day in court. That's why Tom Cotton was so smart and Marco Rubio. Look, it doesn't look good, but everyone, you know, let it play out. It's up to the people of New Jersey and it's up to the courts. Smart.
3: True. However, the one distinction there is, but, uh, Joe Biden has not been indicted yet, whereas Trump and Menendez have. However, there's up to 28 senators, 28 Democratic senators that have called for Menendez's resignation Yeah, as well, of 10 a.m. But
2: more. not Humor.
3: I do not see him on the list now.
2: Yeah. Uh, Marty, you're listening in Florida. Hey, Marty.
13: Hey, Brian. I'm calling
8: about uh to comment about tonight's debate. Yep. I get this feeling that uh, that everybody wants to see the candidates go at each other, and that's what the big attraction is going to be. And I'm worried that the moderators are even going to uh, work that way to see them going at each other. I want them, each candidate to get enough time to tell me what their plan is for their country and how they're going to make it work. That's what I'm interested in.
2: Okay. Uh, And it's got to be, it can't be generally. I'm going to have us come together and we're going to agree. It's got to be more specific. For example, uh, if you're going to tell me, and it's up to the moderators too. So if you're going to tell me you're going to send green berets into Mexico to kill cartel members, then you got to be as a moderator, you got to say, listen, do you realize that's a violation of international law and it could poison the well? For us at U.S.-Mexican relations, we could lose all type of cooperation, which would be disastrous uh, between them. Um, How would you go about getting Mexico to be on board with that? And are you going to kill 100,000 people? Because that's what they are. There's 100,000. It's the fifth biggest business in Mexico. So that's a lot of green berets. I don't know how you start with that.
8: Brian, so we're counting on you to throw your weight around and get that to happen tonight. (laughs) You got it. I, I do, I do. I don't mind
2: if they argue on substance. And one thing I would argue about, and, and the one thing that just pops out is Ukraine. A lot of them disagree. You see, with the House is voting. Senator Rand Paul never wants to do anything, so he's against it. So when it comes to the Ukraine, what's your case? And uh, that's where I think that Nikki Haley will be strong, unless, of course, you're out there and you say, if Nikki Haley gets it and acts like she wants, it, that means an endless war, old fashioned. Uh, Republican, I don't want that. But I think that you'd be willing to take that uh, and move it forward. I, I think the majority of people can see the wisdom. A lot of other see the wisdom in backing Ukraine and not, again, backing out instead of leading NATO, letting somebody else lead NATO. When we come back. Mark Tyson has a major story by Vivek Ramaswamy. He broke it open in the Washington Post. He'll expand it on next, right here.
1: talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: We must declare independence from the climate agenda here at home. (laughs) Second, to declare independence from China over the long run, we must first ensure we have semiconductor independence from Taiwan starting today here at home. Thank you. Third. We will declare independence for our defense industrial base, so that the weapons that we may need, God forbid, in an armed conflict scenario with China, do not actually come from China.
2: Uh, that is Vivek Ramaswamy, 37 years old, already I think close to a billionaire. A lot of it done through biotech. He's obviously very smart. An excellent communicator. But according to this uh, great column in The Washington Post, authored by Mark Thiessen, he's got some conflicts and he's got some dealing with China that he would have been very wise to get in front of. Uh, And now it's out there. It's certainly come up tonight. Mark Thiessen did the reporting on this. He joins us now. Mark, welcome. Good to be with you, Brian. So what did you discover about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's business with China?
13: So, you know, at the last debate, he said on the stage that all of his rivals were bought and paid for. And that's a pretty scurrilous charge. But I decided to say, well, okay, let's take a look at his business dealings in China. I started to do some digging and I lifted the rock and what I found was pretty disturbing. So a few years ago, he was doing business with high ranking members of the Chinese Communist Party. And I discovered including the same CCP linked family that funneled millions of dollars to Hunter Biden. So he he partnered with a Chinese state-run investment firm called Citic Private Equity. The head of Citic Private Equity is a guy named Liu Lefei, who's the son of the former number five official in the Chinese Politburo and the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda chief. Um, and Citic PE is a national government-run. Uh, private equity firm that carries out part of what is called their national team, which carries out the will of the state and financial markets. That was his partner. And he did a deal with them as recently as 2019, a billion-dollar deal to start a company in China, a pharmaceutical company. So that's four years ago that he was doing business with them. But the really worrisome part is that Liu Lefei's wife, his, her name is Jia, her father was the Chinese Minister of State Security, who ran the Chinese Gulag and who was in charge of all of China's foreign influence operations and spying around the world, and her company Harvest Global was a company that fa- that funneled five million dollars to Hunter Biden uh, through his through his company Burnham Asset Management. So Vivek was in in, in business with two Chinese princelings, who are the family that are that are connected to the most brutal elements of the Chinese regime and the same family that was funneling millions of dollars to Hunter Biden as part of their foreign influence operations in the United States. And now he's claiming, well, I'm going to be tough on China. Well, four years ago, he was cutting one billion dollar deals with these people.
2: That's amazing to me. He wouldn't get ahead of this, at the very least, to explain himself, because people like you or candidates with good opposition research who would bring it forward. So this this one company that you write about was an American company, but merged and changed its name, and that name is
13: well. So he has a company called Royvant and he for, partnered with Ciddy to start a company called Sinovant which was to start uh, in 2017 which was to start uh, as a pharmaceutical company and then he formed another company called Sitevant uh with with Cite-E. so he formed two companies in China which apparently are now defunct um but uh, but he but it, these are these are multibillion dollar deals that he was cutting with the son of the head of China of the Communist Chinese Communist Party's propaganda uh, division um, and and look, there's, I'm not I'm not saying that there's anything illegal going on here necessarily. Lots of people do business with communist China, but he raised the question of you know of other candidates being bought and paid for on the debate stage. So what? Why is this suspect? Why should we, we, we worry about Vivek when it comes to this? Because he's the only candidate on the debate stage who wants to hand Taiwan over to communist China. He, he did an interview with Hugh Hewitt where he said that after we achieve semiconductor independence from Taiwan in 2028, which is a fantasy, that after that, he will not commit American troops to defend uh, Taiwan in a nationalist fight with China. I mean, he was very clear there was no strategic ambiguity about it. That he would not authorize any U.S. forces uh, to defend Taiwan. That is music to the ears of the Chinese Communist Party. they Number one foreign policy objective is to reunite Taiwan with the motherland. And the only thing that is stopping them is the fear that they would face the United States military in a conflict if they tried to do it. Vivek has said the U.S. military will not defend Taiwan after 2028. So why is the only candidate who was in business with the Chinese Communist Party just four years ago, the only candidate who wants to give the Chinese Communist Party a free uh, a free uh, green light to attack Taiwan. I think he needs to answer that question tonight
2: on the debate stage. He has that uh with China and you know Trump tends to lean that way too. I don't know if I want to start a world war over Taiwan. Uh so he said that too and I think that the sentiment with Republican Party is mostly on that stage outside Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and Chris Christie. I am not sure anybody else sees the wisdom in defending Taiwan and also sees the wisdom in continuing to support Ukraine only intelligently and not slow-walking slow weapon systems?
13: Yeah, so number one, I don't think Trump has ever said we will not defend Taiwan. I think that he—I ha- he, don't, I don't think he— I think I you're I think right. He's, he's pretty not... smart in the sense that he always keeps his—maybe that's what he thinks, I don't know, but— he, he, he has sort of maintained ambiguity about that. No one has been as clear about this as Vivek. Vivek has said directly after, in that interview, you can go back and look at his own words with Hugh Hewitt, he said, we, I will not commit U.S. forces to, de- to defend Taiwan. So he's the only candidate who's done that on the Democratic side, on the Republican side. There's nobody out there uh, who's a serious candidate who's ever said that. So that is a green light. That is, that is going to cause a war over Taiwan if we had a president who had that policy because he would be basically saying – It's all yours, baby. You take it, and that would would cause an invasion. We would need we need to deter an invasion, so we don't have to fight over Taiwan.
2: So tonight's going to be interesting, especially knowing what we know now after debate number one. And I want to talk to you tomorrow on on your normal spot uh, to see who emerges. We never thought I never thought Vivek was going to be such a lightning rod the first time, and he seemed to have helped Mike Pence and Nikki Haley. Um, and I thought it was a pretty good description. Matthew, uh, Mary Catherine Ham just gave me, he says he's, he, made him, he made the most news, but very polarizing news. So yeah, he, uh, he, that.
13: he got a lot of attention, but he but his negatives went up dramatically. And I think that once the if, if if any candidates raise this, I think I would be quite frankly, if I was a candidate on that stage, I would be asking, why were you in the same in business with the same family that was channeling millions of dollars to Hunter Biden, uh, the Chinese Communist Party family? Uh, I think when if millions of Americans learn that. Uh, as they are now on your radio show, as they are hopefully some of them have on my Washington Post column. But I think nothing beats the uh, the Fox debate stage. Uh, I think his negatives are going to go up a lot more.
2: I mean, if you look at, like, for example, if Glenn Youngkin gets in this race, if Jamie Dimon ever decides to run for president, uh, you know, obviously if Trump, he's building golf courses in the Middle East. I think he did in Qatar and Turkey. So obviously you do these business. Oh, how could you do this with America's enemy or who has been such critical of America? I have no problem with that. Just because you're in business. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are for Islamic extremism if you're doing business in Saudi Arabia. But you have to be prepared to defend yourself. I mean, Glenn Young is one of the most powerful international executives in the country. He dealt a lot with China. And evidently, he played a key role with Trump in educating him on how to set up a trade deal that would actually be effective in work. And with the, you know, with the ramifications and punishment would be that would get China's attention. I have no problem with that. I don't want people not to run because they did deals with a country that by the day becomes more of an enemy of the United States. But you just be smart enough to get ahead of it.
13: Well, I mean, he, be, possible. number one, I think there's a huge difference between doing business deals with Qatar and Saudi Arabia, who are U.S. allies. They may not be, uh, they may not be democratic, and all the rest of it. But they're, you know, we had American troops stationed in Saudi Arabia for decades, and we had, uh, we, you know, Qatar is, uh, you know, trouble uh, has has lots of problems, but it's it's on our side generally speaking in the in the in the world. China is our number one enemy in the world, and so and again, if you're doing business. With the son of the number five official in the country, uh, you know, that that is deeply troubling. I, I, I think that's fairly disqualified uh, for a presidential candidate. Um, I think those are very different things. Uh, that So, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Do business around the world. Do business with U.S. allies. But don't don't be uh, making million dollar deals with uh, with the son of the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda chief and then paint yourself as tough on China.
2: Exactly. Well, that would have been a it's not a good combination. Not saying it waiting for someone to discover it. At certain time, he accused it, especially Tim Scott, had to be sitting there going, really? I'm bought and sold. Uh, thank you. Have you guys been – do you have, want to take a tour of my childhood home? Um, you know,
13: it's like it's it's like the uh, you know it's uh it's like those legal TV shows when like you know when the the uh, the can the uh, guy uh, uh, says something stupid on the stand and opens it up a uh, line of inquiry that he wasn't expecting. Like if you get, if you have these skeletons in your closet, you probably don't want to accuse everybody else of being bought and paid for, right. uh, because then why 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 is it Vivek? that you're the only one on this stage who wants to give China a green light to invade Taiwan, and that you just happen to be in business with high-ranking members of the Chinese Communist Party, including the people who are trying to influence American politics by funneling millions of dollars under Biden. I think that's a pretty disqualifying uh, little piece of record.
2: President Biden, no doubt about it, in response to Donald Trump's speech today in Michigan, uh, went to Michigan yesterday to sit on and to walk for 15 minutes with strikers, (laughs) about 18 of them. Cut 14. The UAW, picket alliance, we're now the senator since
10: 1973, but I tell you what, first time I've ever done it as a president. Okay. Oh, sure. Right. One thing is real simple, I'm to be very brief. The fact of the matter is that you guys, the UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices. Gave up a lot. And the companies were in trouble. Now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well,
2: too. And now he's off to a fundraiser after 15 minutes on the (laughs) ground, uh, taking the baby stairs off Air Force One. Uh, And now we find out wearing sneakers and going to physical therapy in order not to fall. Evidently, the White House is furious that Axios got that story. Not that it's not true, but it makes the president look weak. It makes the president oh, look addled. And then that speech, is that why you went to – that's why you went to Detroit? To so just uh, so, so, ad no, lib and, and, and struggle with a bullhorn? Number one,
13: I'm an avid viewer of Fox and & Friends, and I know that you wear sneakers on on the set. So, exactly. So, so, you know, I, I – No, no, no way, I would I say rubber-soled dress shoes. Rubber-soled dress shoes. There you go. That, I have the <laughs> same ones that you do. So, um, But here's – it's kind of ironic. He's on the picket line with the UAW, yet he's the one trying to destroy their jobs. Those workers make gas-powered cars. He's trying to eliminate the product they make and force everyone to buy electric cars, which require 40% less labor to make. So literally, as a matter of administration policy, he wants to put them out of work, but then he's joining them on the picket line. They should be picketing him.
2: And, and <laughs> it's the, just this the but, but this also <laughs> shows the vulnerability of him as a candidate, and and yeah. the, and also the, his so-called experts, his political experts should realize there's a downside to this. And obviously, to anyone paying attention, it clearly looks defensive because you're going because, you know, Trump is there on Wednesday and you know how yeah. vital Michigan is. And you know yeah. how the pretty much if there's a Republican that sees eye to eye with blue collar workers, it is Donald Trump and his instincts were right to put himself in Detroit tonight. And hopefully he wrote some stuff down, can keep it less on his cases, more in their cases and if that does, that is a very astute move. And it looks like Joe Biden will pivot to run against Trump as of this week. Bidenomics has been a failure. The border is broken. Afghanistan is horrific. The, uh, uh, Ukraine is losing popularity. So now he's going to pull a page from Barack Obama, who, who actually tried to make Mitt Romney unelectable. He's going to try to just to go after Trump. How effective will it would be in 2023?
13: Um, you know, first of all, I don't know that Joe Biden's going to be the nominee by, by next year. I mean, look, at, just look at him. He's every month he's less capable than he was. If you look at him 14 months ago and imagine what he'll look like in 14 months from now. I mean, I don't even know that he'll be able to debate. And, and think about this. If, if Trump and Biden are the nominees, you're, you're going to have a no labels party challenge. And probably Joe Manchin. So let's imagine Joe Manchin gets in the race. And Biden wants to avoid debating because he doesn't want to debate Trump and he's going to use the legal case as an excuse because he's not capable of doing it. So is he going to let Manchin and Trump debate and he stays off the stage? Or is he going to go on the stage, the debate stage, standing next to them and look like the adult grandfather while those two guys who are you know mentally capable start duking it out on policy? I think if Joe Biden stays in the race, the Democrats will end up as the third party. I think I think it'll be a Trump Trump versus Manchin, Republican versus no labels race. Joe Biden could come in third in that in in that election, which is interesting Uh, because
2: Woodrow Wilson won the race because Teddy Roosevelt got involved. He actually got more votes than Taft uh, on his reelection. So that would be the same pattern, right?
13: I don't know because I think it's different this time around. I think that, that I, I actually think that it would, that no labels would be competitive. Um, I don't think you know there's this mid, this idea that well it'll just hand the election to Trump because they'll take more votes away from the, from uh, from uh, from Biden than it would from Trump. I don't know about that. I think you, you look at the polls. Seven seven in ten Americans don't want a Trump Biden rematch. They don't want either of these guys to be the nominees of their party. And so if you force them to make that choice right now, if that's the choice. I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden, you know, Republicans are not going to vote for Joe Biden, Democrats are not going to vote for Trump, but if there was a serious, you know, uh, candidate on the, a centrist candidate, a bipartisan ticket that you could vote for, I think it would pull from both sides, and it would be a competitive race. I I don't know, I I think that it would be a, uh, it would be a toss-up between Manchin and Trump, and I think Biden would be the one who wouldn't, who who would be, uh, who would be finished.
2: I agree. I, I actually don't think that Manchin pulls too many from Trump. And I think the problem with Manchin, if he's the guy and I do respect him, if he is yeah. the guy, he doesn't have a Democratic constituency and he doesn't have a Republican constituency because Republicans resent the fact that he does anything with Democrats and Democrats resent the fact that he does anything to stop Democrats. So uh, I don't, maybe they yeah, got to pick a different guy. But Cornell West is also out there. And when you yeah. talk about a black vote. They only have 63 percent of the black vote in the latest last poll. Cornell West maybe would get that three or four percent, and then it's really over.
13: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, what, my theory of this election, which I think is accurate, is that <laughs> this election is going to be is going to be decided by a few hundred thousand swing voters in uh-huh. five states. And, and it's a question of who they're going to go for. The Mark. rest of us, we're all going to vote the way we're going to vote. The rest of us don't matter. It's how those swing voters in, in five states are going to vote. And I don't know that they vote for Donald Trump. I don't know. that. I mean, you know, if gotcha. they don't want either candidate, the other side could lose.
2: Mark Thiessen, <laughs> thanks so much. We'll get your postgame tomorrow. And the, be- the line right. of the day is, uh, this is what I think, and I think I'm right. <laughs> Back in the moment.
1: <laughs> Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmead. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hey, welcome back. Got a couple of minutes here. I'm kind of excited. November 7th, uh, Teddy and Booker T is coming out. And with that, I have an opportunity to do some live shows. So many conflicts. If people ask me to speak, I thought, what if I just created my own event? So I'm going to be in uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, and talking about Teddy and Booker T. It's really how America got great. So I talk about George Washington, Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, Triple E Pirates, Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, Thomas uh, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, uh, and of course the president, Freedom Fighter, and now this, Teddy and Booker T. Most people intelligent to say, I never knew any of this. But I just want people armed when asked why America is such a special nation, exceptional nation. Here's why. And I'll bring you through it. We act out certain uh, moments in our history. Most important, I interact with you uh, on a regular basis. So I have a VIP opportunity. We hang out before. Talk about Fox, have a QA. and a It's uh, co-sponsored by Fox Nation, too. So you're going to get a chance to see a couple of those shows streamed. Uh, but I'll be at the Bogle in Red Bank, New Jersey, Ponte Vedra, Florida, Huntsville, Alabama, Montgomery, Pittsburgh, Holland, Michigan, and more.
1: From the Fox News radio studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. We have a lot to discuss today. And, of course, it's debate number two, so that's the big headline news. And, of course, when there's big headlines, you want your secretary of state handling big problems and handling big issues. Today he's going to talk about the unification of music and how it could bring nations together. And where's our president? He is doing a fundraiser. Fantastic. Uh, nothing no problems really to address. So that works out perfect. And I come to you from Midtown Manhattan, where a few blocks away at the Manhattan Institute, the governor of Texas is addressing all critics, and there's a lot of them, of his bussing policy of taking illegal immigrants and bring them to these sanctuary cities like the one we're in. And I'm so he did Fox and Friends first, and I'm so glad he's gonna do it, because there's a lot of Uh, There's a lot to go over here, including the myths about how many illegal immigrants he's actually sending to New York and how many Joe Biden is. So let's get to the big three.
3: Now
1: with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. To ask my men and women to sit there and watch them succumb to the environment, to ask them to watch them get swept away by the river, to ask them to watch women and children drown is not something I or anybody else would ever do.
2: That is uh, Jason Owens, the new CBP chief, overrun. That's what our border agents are dealing with at the border cities, major and minor. And they're saddled with, thanks to uh, major problems, thanks to the worst border policy in American history. Who can fix it, and will Joe even try? Number two.
4: As of last night, at least 24 Senate Democrats have called on Menendez to step down, including his longtime friend, fellow New Jersey Senator Cory Booker.
2: Uh, Hey, Dems, if Menendez must go, why silent on Joe? As James Comer, investigations show Chinese money was wired to Joe's house, not Hunter's, in Delaware. We discussed the mounting pressure on all sides. Plus, we look at how far the administration goes to make sure Joe does not trip and fall along the way. Number one,
6: 35 percent of voters switched their mind during a primary uh, debate. So something could happen. And certainly we saw that Nikki Haley had a breakout performance the last time. Mm -hmm. Um, As did Vivek, uh, he also did as well.
2: Uh, That is Lee Carter. She's an expert. Debate number two tonight. Trump suffers another legal loss, but it will result in a political gain. Again, we'll discuss it all. Michael Schellenberger now joins us. Uh Michael's always great on a myriad of topics including his next one called Throne to the Wind uh founder of public and uh you could always find his columns on Substack and see him all over this channel in particular. Uh Michael welcome back.
12: Hey thanks for having me Brian good to be with you.
2: Michael D. I I mean I'm not sure if you're on the west coast you're in San Francisco now?
12: I live in Berkeley yeah.
2: Yeah okay I'm not sure if you're there now but do you get pumped up for these debates? Um which, which debate? How about tonight? Oh,
12: <laughs> apparently not. <laughs>
2: I guess not, because you, you, you got seven people it. on <laughs> the stage except Trump.
12: You know, I, I do find it interesting, actually. I mean, I thought I did write a column about uh, uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, um, and obviously he's channeling a lot of youth, you know, more youthful energy, and that's, for me, has been very interesting to watch.
2: Right. He, at uh, 37 years old, to be the the center of attacks and, uh, and attacking, so he'll make it exciting. Donald Trump will not be there. Uh, but the one thing I find fascinating is other people that find it funny that anybody would say that the deaths of these whales who we find beached all around New York and New Jersey at a rate that's got to be concerning, especially to environmentalists, would be critical of Trump when he comes out and says this is a lot to do with the windmills. Instead of saying, well, I don't agree with that— they act as if Trump made it up out of thin air uh, and that there's no relation and that Trump is just literally shooting at windmill, uh, windmills because of this. So listen to, I mean, I know you have this, this movie out because of it. And here is Trump talking about whales and windmills.
10: You have a better chance of being struck by lightning than hitting a whale with your boat. There has only been, listen to this, one such whale killed off the coast of South Carolina in the last 50
2: years. But on the other hand, their windmills are causing whales to die in numbers never
10: seen before. Nobody does anything about that. They're washing up and show. I saw it this weekend. Three of them came up. They wouldn't, you wouldn't see it once a year. Now they're coming up on a weekly basis. The windmills are driving them crazy. They're driving they're driving the whales, I think, a little batty, and they're washing up on shore at
2: levels never seen before, and they want to stop your boats one in 50 years. Can you imagine that? So is he wrong?
12: He's not wrong. Um, I don't know. I haven't confirmed the specific number in terms of the single whale death um, in South Carolina, but we are—everybody uh, agrees that we're in an unusual mortality event with whales. This isn't particularly significant because there's one species in particular called the North Atlantic right whale, of which there's only 340 left. Anytime you have that few animals, you know, under a 1,000, you're facing extinction. And uh, you can tell that the people that say they care about the environment don't because they're actually the ones trying to expand boat activity and also sonar. And we now have two, really three pieces of scientific evidence proving that these are activities that are behind the deaths of the whales. The, the sounds are um, in violation of the laws that the government sets. We've recorded that In the documentary shows the scientists recording these sounds and those sounds, these are very fragile animals. I mean, these are, this is kind of, this whale speaks kind of the runt of whales. This is not a, these are smaller whales, the North Atlantic right whales, when the mothers and the calves get separated, which is what happens when mm-hmm. you have this really loud sonar, which is being used to map the floor. So we haven't even gotten to the construction of these things yet. And that, combination of separating the mothers from the calves, they then often the, they can starve and go hungry or be hit by boats, of which there's increased traffic in previously untrafficked areas. This is not advanced science. What I just said, you can understand, your listeners I can, can understand. Yep. This is not like, we did this research on on like tiny, I think I spent, we spent like $3,000 dollars. Total to get some data. Like, that's all we did. The U.S. government has tens of millions. It has infinite money to research this, and they won't do the research because they know darn well that what they'll find is that the wind industry is killing these whales and pushing them to extinction. That's the situation that we're in. So I and want you to, hear, but and people are and mocking.
2: All paid off. And, and you know this, Michael. People are mocking you because uh, Trump says it. Uh, maybe they're not mocking uh, Michael Schellenberg, but listen to this on another channel, Cut Seven.
7: There's also a part in his speech where he said that windmills were killing whales.
4: Donald Trump yesterday in South Carolina continuing his weird war against windmills.
7: The whales and the windmills, that was even for him a real tour de force. You're right. I mean, the the windmills and whales things are are nuts. The whale thing was bizarre. He said the the windmills are driving whales crazy, so they're washing themselves up on shore. He's projecting again. He's projecting again. But
8: he's going out and projecting himself on whales. So, yes, Don. it's the Wells who are crazy right now.
2: Do you believe the ignorance?
12: I mean, it's it's appalling, you know, I mean, these are, these are, those are not journalists, those are propaganda. They have not looked at the evidence. The scientists, we have now put out three separate reports showing that the, the media organizations that are doing that laughing have been paid by Orsted which is the wind company that's gonna to stand to make billions of dollars, it's all taxpayer money. We subsidize one-third to two-thirds the cost of these things. This is an old inefficient technology that doesn't reliably produce electricity. It's going to massively increase electricity costs on the East Coast. So here's what you get. You get to subsidize to the point of, of billions. I mean, the total cost of the Inflation Reduction Act is now estimated to be a trillion dollars. They're going to increase electricity prices on the East Coast and they're going to make a whale species extinct all because of the filthy love of money that they that the, they give the, it's money for the news organizations, the nonprofit organizations, including the aquarium and including Woods Hole, this venerable old ocean research organization, a jewel of American scientific progress has been corrupted by the wind industry as well as the politicians. And and it's literally happening, right? It's the biggest environmental scandal in the world. I'm so glad that Trump said that. I need to, I, I'm and I thank you for inviting me on the program to, to draw attention to this. I'm obviously need to, I now need to write something and record a video right. exposing this because it's so outrageous that they won't even look at the research. They won't even send a boat out and hire a guy to drop a microphone in the water called a hydrophone and measure the sonar for themselves. They won't even do that because they're propagandists and liars.
2: Uh, I will say this. At the very least, let's say, let's say people listening right now go, I don't believe it has anything to do with it. But you guys you guys just don't like green energy. At the very least, know it's a story. Know, it, know there's a Michael Schellenberger. There's a movie out there. Know that other people are writing about it. They're writing columns about it. And you might not want to read the column, but they act as if Trump just made it up. You also said the, for the ones on land in Texas, they're killing all the birds. And they're like, "Oh my God, now windmills are killing birds." Yes, they kill birds. At least do the research. They kill birds.
12: It's awful. I mean, it's really shocking, and it's all been corrupted by by the wind industry money. Look, the research we have. I've published it's all published on our website. It's on the tw- It's on my Twitter handle. You can see the it's pinned to the top. It's all there in documentary form. We have all the data. We've presented all the data to the government agencies that are absolutely corrupted by this project and by this money. They all have it. It's now, frankly, it's up to the Republicans in the House. It's up to Congressperson Van Drew of New Jersey and the other House Republicans to have hearings. That's the only way this will happen If they don't have hearings then nothing's going to happen, and they have it in their power to have hearings.
2: Well, he wants to run for Senate now because Menendez is obviously uh, tarred in scandal. Last well, Before I, before we go, every time I can get someone on for the West Coast, that knows Gavin Newsom from the time he was a mayor to governor, and now our, so people are just discovering him now and saying how slick and how confident and how refreshing and how comfortable he's with all these issues. Now he's going to get what he wants, and that is a one-on-one debate with Ron DeSantis. Here's what DeSantis said about this cut eight.
7: California is a a symptom of American decline. Florida shows the pathway for American revival. Let's have that debate. I can tell you, Laura, I know that we're winning between the two states because I have so many California license plates showing up in my state. That never happened Uh when I was a kid growing up. And now all of a sudden we see them. It's a great place to be. But they've done so poorly on policy, the homelessness, the crime, the taxes, the woke ideology, the lockdowns uh, that uh, people are fleeing.
2: So, so Governor Gavin Newsom says, no, we're, we're the land of freedom. So do you think that's a debate that Michael Schellenberger will watch? And what should we know about Gavin Newsom?
12: I mean, Gavin is the I mean, he's, we, we have a state where like overdoses from drugs and deaths are increasing. There's people on the sidewalk, a woman who had mental illness, who was so addicted to hard drugs that her legs rotted on the streets. They took her to the hospital, amputated her legs. They put her back on the street. Like This is what's happening in California. Anybody that goes to Skid Row in L.A. or comes to San Francisco, the state is an absolute disaster. People are living in tents. Addicts and the mentally ill are living in tents on the street because Gavin Newsom refuses to. We're in a huge crime wave in Oakland. It's out of control. Homicides, firejackings, burglaries. There was a 75-year-old grandmother that pulled out her gun and had to fire back at guys that had broken into her bedroom. This is happening right now in Oakland. Gavin Newsom then trying around, talking about how he's morally superior on race issues while letting basically poor black neighborhoods in Oakland suffer just ex- extraordinarily high levels of crime and violence. So it's it's a terrible, it, it's shocking to me that Gavin is out there running for president. He's so transparent in his ambitions, even though the, obviously he's supposedly not running, but I guess that's what that is.
8: <laughs> yeah.
2: He's going to be in there in November. Uh, and you know, he's just waiting for Joe to fall one more time and then he steps right over Kamala. Uh, that's in my view. Uh, thanks so much, Michael. I appreciate what you're doing. Oh, listen, I I'm not an expert, but I, but I'm, I'm curious enough to want to talk to the experts because I'd rather not see every whale die at the very least be selfish Be selfish and say you don't want your beaches closed because it takes a while for the for us to do something with the whale. Uh, Whatever. Uh, There's a lot of things to mock Trump on. Evidently, that's not one of them. Michael, thank you so much.
12: Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you, man.
2: Yeah, You got it. Uh, Martha McCallum next then Brett Baer. Besides those two, I don't really know who better in America to talk to about politics in America. Don't move.
1: Diving deep into today's top stories. It's Brian Kilmeade. information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
10: there is a certain coastal arrogance in this country and people feel it i find the left to be just annoying the western far left is habitually the most stupid naive people you can imagine And they come up with these really goofy constructs, and it's all about feeling feeling good about yourself. Yeah, well, just feeling, as opposed to, like, free speech. Like, if your feelings are hurt, that's more important than free speech. Most people don't even know what they're talking about. I know. James Carville
2: and Bill Maher talking about the far left. Of course, they're ripping Republicans, too. But it's just noteworthy that James Carville can't figure out the far left either. Martha McCallum can figure anything out that she puts her mind to. Uh, She's the anchor of the story. You see her all over the election coverage. You see her on The Five tonight. Martha, were you surprised to hear James Carville talk like that?
5: Not really. I mean, he's he's a realist, and he wants to win elections, right? And James Carville comes from Louisiana. He has a very different sort of sense of frame of reference than people. He was going after elite colleges as well. I think he was slamming Amherst, among other places. So I I think he just sees the electoral writing on the wall. You've got a a recent poll that shows a 10 percent gulf in independent voters favoring Trump over Biden. Now, you have to ask yourself what's going on. People are I think hungry for common sense. They they want to have they want to be able to go to Target, they want to be able to go to Walgreens without having to unlock everything in the store. It is so nuts what is happening in so many venues of the country, right? You look at the border, you look at at all of this crime, you look at education system which is in absolute crisis and no one seems to notice or care about it. So and these are very this is a middle-of-the-road, I think, assessment of, of what's going on in the country. James Carville has always had his finger on the pulse of that. And he's, I think, instituting an enormous wake-up call for the people who are running the Biden campaign saying, you guys better, you know, you better change your tune.
2: Right, because they're closer to the far left, loonies, than, than James Carville is. It's not as if he says, well, you know, the AOC says some crazy things and has people uh, disillusioned. No, Joe Biden is doing these crazy things with green energy, doing the crazy things with oil and gas, is doing this thing with burying us overseas in Afghanistan, not communicating anything about the worthiness of the the war to support the war in Ukraine, doesn't really do much. Showed up for 15 minutes
5: on a picket line and then goes to a fundraiser? I know. I love the shot yesterday of the taillights leaving. (laughs) And I I was working in my office, and I... Oh, yeah, there's... uh, Okay, so the president's talking now. He's on the picket line. We're taking notes for our show at 3 o'clock and everything. And then I looked up again, and the taillights are all taken off. I'm like, well, that was quick. I also sort of expected that he was going to hold a sign and walk for a little bit. But, um, no, it it was... And also... You know, those unions, they know what's going on with the, the change in, in green energy and what has happened at Ford. They said 40% lower employee participation in building a car.
2: I know. Uh, we're going to take a time out and come back with Mark McCallum and Martha's really TV friend, right there.
1: From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
6: 35% of voters switch their mind during a primary uh, debate. So something could happen. And certainly we saw that Nikki Haley had a breakout performance the last time. Mm -hmm. Um, As did Vivek. Uh, he also did as well. The others, Ron DeSantis has to have a knockout night. If he doesn't, he's going to go by the wayside, similar to what happened with Jeb Bush uh, back in 2015 and 2016. So something big has to happen. I'm not sure yeah. that any of the candidates are really up for it. We haven't seen that kind of energy come out of them yet, right. but it certainly could.
2: Right, and that is Lee Carter uh, on Fox News last night, uh, Fox News at night and last night. Uh, and she was talking about what you kind of set in the scene for the big debate tonight. Um, she's an arch enemy of my next guest, uh Brett Baer, uh Chief Political Anchor for Fox News, anchor, special <laughs> Report, author of the upcoming book to rescue the Constitution. And Brett, uh, I don't know if you were briefed, but we've uh, Martha McCallum has refused to leave. So we're going to include <laughs> her in the conversation.
5: Hi guys. Hi, Brett. So, what time is morning. it in California? Hey,
8: uh, yeah, it is it's nice. It is uh 36. <laughs> it's um like breaking news. I just got back from the gym. And the uh, Governor DeSantis was on the treadmill and he really? was um, he was really working his hard. So I got a wave, said hi to him. But he was uh, all business. So maybe he's trying to fire up for tonight.
5: Interesting.
2: Yeah, he has lost a lot of weight. You know, you forget that. he's yeah. in his good shape, but he's lost a lot of weight for this. Uh, Brett, first off, do you agree that there's more pressure on him tonight if he's not called on to it's not OK to survive? It, you got to go, you got to go make some waves tonight or no?
8: Yeah, I think, I think so. Listen, he's still in the center position, right? I mean, for all of the negativity about governor DeSantis, his campaign, how he's slipping, how donors are concerned, he's still in the, the center stage. Um, last time he was not the focus of attacks. Um, and, you know, he got, he basically didn't have the response time based on that Um You know, I I think he has to have kind of a a breakout night of some way, shape, or form. Um, I think Nikki Haley is probably going to sell electability, and these recent polls have her um, beating President Biden by the most, you know, some by six, eight points, the recent ones uh, two, three points, but still the most in the GOP field, even more than the former president. So I bet that that's her take tonight.
5: I think all of these candidates tonight have to prove that they have some viability, you know, and I think the day after this debate, you're going to have to see some very difficult decisions made in this process. I think for some people, the the future is not going to look great after tonight. Donors are very important to these campaigns and they look at where Trump is in these recent polls and they don't want to throw, you know, good money after bad. So I, I think that this is going to be a very significant night tonight. And I think Nikki Haley does have an argument to be made based on the polls that we've seen recently that she can get. You have to just constantly take your mind back to these voters in the suburbs. Right. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? The Independent voters have swung these elections between Trump and Biden. Now Trump has a 10 point lead with independent voters in the most recent take. So think about that. That's when people are given a binary decision. Right. And we know that most people don't want it to be a Trump Biden race. We hear that all the time. So but given that choice, they're saying that they would pick Trump based on what based on crime, based on the drugs coming across the border, based on the border, Mm. based on education, all these things. And Nikki Haley. And these other candidates have to make themselves stand out on those issues tonight.
2: But, you know, in the beginning for your debate, for, you, for Brett and Martha, for your debate, I'm thinking to myself, oh, what the big story was, how they handle Trump. How do they go directly at him as if he's watching? And to me, I think they go after, I feel like it's more after Joe Biden. And I don't know, like I'm listening to Ron DeSantis last night talk about how many miles a wall were built and he was going to drain the swamp. To me, that spread—it's a non-starter for Republican voters. Those are Democratic arguments, and there are more than 52 miles wall. Some of it was split rail fence, so there was much more built than that. And he would have finished had he not had to repurpose defense funding and got sued for everything. So I think that that—I think going after Biden and how you might be better than Trump could be the way to do it, Brett.
8: Yeah, and I think, you know, listen, we, we spent the first hour not mentioning uh, the former president, and I think people looked at that, and and the argument was about different policy and how they were different and contrasting each other on stage, and I don't know what's um, in store tonight. I haven't been briefed on the questions or the structure or anything. I did talk to Dana for a long time last night. She is definitely ready and um, prepared, feels good. Uh, They had a ton of questions different than we did and um, have whittled it down. And this process, you know, if you haven't been through it, is really interesting. I mean, it's kind of like taking a lump of coal and really polishing it down. Uh, And even then, because of what's going to happen on stage with the back and forth, you're going to throw things out the window. You know, there are great questions that are not going to be asked, but um, she feels good. Uh, It's, you know, Stuart and Dana and Ilya Calderon, who I also talked to last night. um, I think it's going to be fascinating.
5: You know, I'm watching as Brett's talking. I am watching police officers dragging people across the street in Philadelphia, breaking into stores looting them. And, you know, this behavior that you're allowed to just walk into a store and take whatever you got, whatever you want is so insane. Right. And I'm wondering what their jumping off point is going to be tonight. So I'm thinking about that. I'm also thinking about where they are, the Reagan library and a piece of video that I saw this morning of Reagan saying, you know, making the argument that he wants to get government off the backs of people. Right. And that he wants to allow regulations and taxes to be cut and you think about these poor business owners that have their windows broken and how how hamstrung they are um i think there's there's a discussion that will be around what reagan stood for and who are you and with regard to what you guys were talking about a moment ago i think their aim is to say you know to embrace the good things about President Trump, but to say, don't you want to turn the page? You know, I mean, if if, if you're running, right? I mean, you have like to make that. an argument like against um, the former president and say, it's time for a new Reagan. It's time for somebody to, to move on and grab that mantle. And this is why it has to be me. You know, I mean, right. that's There's what I would do.
2: Seven on the stage, Brad, as you know, you had eight, you and Martha had eight. Now, the new criteria for the next debate, 4% support in two national polls or reach 4% in one national poll and 4% in two statewide polls in the early states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, or South Carolina, the four states that lead off the Republican debate. It's going to be a lot tougher. Governor Burgum just snuck in now. Uh, Penn struggled to get on the first stage the first time, but I'm pr- pretty sure we're going to have a smaller stage. And if you're not on that stage in Alabama, I'm pretty sure you should be done, don't you think?
8: You know, you'd think so. Um, you know, there's people that hang on, uh, and we've seen that before. But as this ticks up, it's going to be harder and harder, not only on the percentage of polls, but also uh, the donor numbers. And those, those are real hurdles uh, for folks. And if you don't make it, uh, I think, you know, campaigns come to an end. We saw the Miami mayor not making that first stage and kind of ending his campaign. You know, if you have four or five maybe even three or four, it is a much, much different debate. It is handled differently. It is much more conversational on the issues. And I just think it it, it lends itself to really whittling down uh, by the time you get to voting.
5: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that um... – At some point, these candidates will have to sort of make decisions based on what's best for them, what's best for the country and what's best for having a viable alternative to the former president. So if that looks like six or seven or eight people, he has no problem walking into that nomination, at least based on what we're seeing now. So it'll be interesting to see if that if there's a decision making process that that whittles this down and whether or not people are willing to sacrifice their own Ambitions in some ways.
2: So, Brett, the other uh, what came out last night is one of the civil cases against Trump brought by the attorney general, Letitia James, that says essentially he is guilty, according to the judge, of inflating his uh, wealth. Uh, And they want to fine him two hundred and fifty million dollars and also go as far as to take his business certificates away and possibly possibly put his properties into conservative to receivership. This, to me is a such a financial disaster to the Trump firm. And this is not something that the banks were complaining about. The insurance companies weren't saying, get a hold of the Trump organization. They don't pay their bills. The attorney general said she was going to go after him, examine his books, brought the case, found a sympathetic judge.
8: How important is this case for this race? I don't know how important it is for the race, but if you look at the, how real estate developers work, on valuing things. Um, you know, there's a case to be made that this happens all the time. Yes. There is no aggrieved party. The banks say he was a great customer. He paid, we made a ton of money on Donald Trump. Um, if he was due a bill, he paid it on Friday. If it happened over the weekend, I mean, they were very, in testimony, complimentary. And here she was acting on behalf of the banks and the insurance companies. So the aggrieved party. Is basically the taxpayers she's saying Um, but it's a stretch and it is a judge that has really dropped the hammer that licensing of businesses has repercussions it you know maybe other jurisdictions of you know follow suit there and it becomes a real pinch uh, for the former president I do think he has a great uh, appeal, you know, based on right. what we've seen in this case. Yeah.
5: Also, just one quick thing on this. Um, you know, the uh, there were two sides to this originally, and the other side was that they were undervaluing these properties for tax purposes, and that you can you can find a, a you know a tax evasion argument in that side of it that the American people that are being yeah. ripped off because of what you're of you're playing this game. But in this one, it, they only it's like they got left with only one half of the equation. Which does make it difficult to find an aggrieved party, especially since the banks were, you know, were okay with him as a customer.
8: Here's what John I think G- you valued Mar-a-Lago at seventy-five million dollars, and just knowing that property, I mean, that might be the tennis court. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because that's worth a lot more uh, currently.
2: He bought it for
5: five, uh, and then got it for nothing essentially. They find the ju- They find his lawyers
2: for his bringing up what they say is frivolous lawsuits because he countersued. Letitia James was on record going after him, and this is more proof of it. And now the the judge gave uh, Letitia James almost everything that she wanted. So now they're going to go to appellate court and, and hope for a reversal. Here's what John Yu said last night, cut 17.
7: It looks like, according to the facts in the case, that there was a lot of exaggeration going on in the valuation of his properties to get better deals for loans. But the bigger question is, why is a New York attorney general trying to take out one of the, the major party candidates for president? Why yep. don't they just let the voters decide this November next November rather than trying to knock someone out using the criminal justice system or in this case, a civil justice system? So, I mean, if Trump
2: gets up there and says, you want more proof that I'm attacked? Here's an, another example. Every time they give him a mugshot or he gets indicted, he, he goes up in the polls. This might have the same effect, although. And Martha, I think you might agree with me. I think this is personal, though. This this cuts to yeah. I
5: thought his response to this that he posted on Truth Social last night and was sent around as well. Um, he seemed very incensed, very fired up about this because it cuts to the core of, of his you know creation of his own success and that business enterprise. It also mentions his children in it as well, uh, and he feels clearly aggrieved. But we'll see what happens on appeal.
8: Do you think though that Letitia James would be going after him in this way? If he was not running for president, absolutely not. Um, Absolutely not. I think that that's the question. Yep.
2: Well, very simple. When he was was on the Apprentice, Brett, how many times did the Attorney General of New York go after him? How many times did New York Mike Bloomberg actually begged him Mm -hmm. to take over that Bronx golf course? Mm -hmm. And they remember with the different things invested, he had. He was wooed by the city, and he cut good deals, no doubt about it. this guy was not – there was no problem. Donald Trump publicly lost his money, remember? He went broke, and he was with Marla at the time, and he pointed to that guy, homeless guy and goes, that guy well, owes less than me. He's actually worth more because he doesn't have the debt I have. And he came all the way back. Yep. And I know. You know why, Brett? I cheated because I just hosted Who is Donald Trump? They've been working <laughs> on this for six months. And they asked me to host it. Do a lot and of
5: people I, have that question in their mind? Right. <laughs> so, I know, it's this obscure figure.
2: Right. But it's amazing. what This guy's got nine lifetimes. Nine uh, lifetimes. No, he, he
5: is, no matter what you think of of Donald Trump. He is the most fascinating political and business figure of our time. Right. And that's we why see you that see that these line. that. Yeah, that's why you see these numbers. I mean, his name recognition is through the roof. People hang on everything he says. And, you know, he's going to be with us for a little bit longer in this whole process. So we'll see what happens.
2: Can I just want to say one thing, Martha, I think you joined me on this. Your interview with uh, MBS followed up with NetNahu, you have done more for Middle East peace, really, everyone since Kissinger and maybe Anwar Sadat. The Brett
5: Accords. Uh, the Brett
2: Accords. But, <laughs> the Brett Accords. but, but, but I've got – I thought it was so educational to talk excellent. to MBS. People are always going to remember that interview because, like you said, he'll rule for 40 years. And then to see Israel say, yeah, let me give you a call. And know what's crazy? Joe Biden's going to get credit for it when Brett Bear should be the one there in between handing out the pens.
5: Well that that, that they have yeah I no, it was an extraordinary set of interviews, Brett, and one of the things that I find so interesting is how those the two sides are coming together almost with or without Biden, yeah,
8: right but he's gonna get credit so for when it. the camera when the camera went off, I mean they essentially said they were talking to each other over the television, yes, you know, in yeah. not so many words, and um. They do think that they can get a lot done outside of the structure of the bureaucracy of of the Biden administration that – I mean the question, the biggest question is the complex one about the uh, Palestinians. And I'd love to go talk to Mahmoud Abbas or the PLO, Mm -hmm. but um, they're not talkative as of yet, but I think that no matter what happens – that these two powerhouses are going to grab the brass ring and trying to uh, get this across the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. For Netanyahu, I- it's a legacy play, and you know he's going to. If he does this, go down as somebody who changed the history of Israel, and for MBS, it's the start of what's going to be decades of his vision of uh, changing the Middle East.
2: And Brad, having you with Martha here has been my legacy play. That now I can <laughs> now I can retire. Thank you, uh, Brad. Good luck tonight. Uh, we'll see you out in the West Coast. Uh, Martha's going to stick around. She has nowhere to go. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. You Watch it tonight. See you, Bye.
1: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: We're back. A few more minutes with Martha McCall. Martha, you pointed out to me about this big push now to get rid of Senator Menendez by Democrats. I saw Tom Cotton just come out last night and say, that's up to the people of New Jersey <laughs> and Senator Menendez to find out if he's guilty <laughs> so, or not. As bad as it looks,
5: kind of you're crazy. from New Jersey. I know. I mean, you know, I, this is a terrible indictment. And he may be guilty of all these things, but I just don't know what has happened to the American system when you have everybody saying, oh, you know what? All we need is an indictment. We're done. You, you need to get out of here. Uh, it's It strikes me as, you know, A, they want to replace him. Democrats want to replace him. I think that's politically what's going on. It's pretty apparent. B, he has no friends, um, political friends. It doesn't appear although Booker and Graham stood by him last time. Booker has, uh, you know, thrown him under the bus, and Graham, I don't think has said anything about it so far. And, you know, it's like it becomes this sort of, issue of it, ignore the ignore the law and you see the same thing happening with maybe it's a message to trump as well they're saying no all you need is indictments. right and then we're gonna you we're done with you
2: republicans should watch it because they got gonna go excuse you me have you have to want stand it. up
5: for the rule of law and the process everyone has lost so much confidence in the system but you can't lose that
2: absolutely not i do think it's funny when he says it's part of the trauma of being a cuban American. No, he, he was born he was born here. in america Parents came before castro even took Please. over right and by the way, if I
8: if you have any gold bars, I will t- I'll google it for you to find how much <laughs> they work. From the Fox News Podcasts
1: Network.
5: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast Kennedy Saves the World. It is 5 days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnews.podcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.